Welcome back to Podcast 25 of 2023. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at The Ozbreakers. Follow us on social media slash The Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by Shot Quality Bets. For 30% off Shot Quality Bets, please visit Shot Quality. Use the promo code ODDS23. Get a new perspective in betting college basketball. If you'd like to support The Ozbreakers and benefit from our premium place, please visit theozbreakers.com. Click shop and become a member. Pick any our premium cappers get their premium plays for line moves you can also support us on patreon.com and if nothing else please visit the Ozbreakers and become a free picks in telegram subscriber it is almost april my friends and it looks like march madness is winding down tons of craziness in the basketball land and we'll get into that for sure but also baseball is starting and i just made my first regular season baseball play for opening day for premium members. We also have our baseball packages listed at the oddsbreakers.com. Some of the best cappers I know in baseball, Sean Kanaki. We have Rocco. We have myself, Nick Hub. Any package out there, you can still get a free polo shirt from our promotion just ending at the end of this month. Speaking of baseball, we have a wonderful guest for you today. Will Hill from VEASAN and the Gold Boys podcast is coming on to talk a little bit about baseball, maybe a little NFL draft, and of course, our final four coming up for this weekend. Can't wait to talk to Will about all of that. What I've been doing myself is some NFL research, a little bit of draft research. We have some NFL draft plays out there for members, and I'd already completed our NFL Pythagorean wins from the 2022 season. I'm just tweaking a few things right now. I'm gonna tell you a few outliers. The Vikings, 13 actual wins. Their Pythagorean wins was 8.32. That means there's a 4.68 win differential. That might be one of the biggest I've ever seen in doing Pythagorean wins. So the Vikings massively overachieved, but many of the books already know that. And there's some other teams that I'm going to get into the gritty as well in talking about the NFL and some of the early win totals that are out now on sites like DraftKings, as well as a few others. So stay tuned for some serious NFL conversations coming up within the next few weeks. We also have some big sporting events like horse racing. We're going to talk to our normal great guys when it comes to the big races, the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, the Belmont, and as well as Sig from Wager Talk. I'm going to try to get him on, if possible, to discuss some of the prep races coming into the Kentucky Derby this May. And we have the Masters Tournament as well. Patrick Gates, one of our cappers at the Ozbreakers, is going to try to get him on next week to talk a little Masters as well as some NHL playoffs as he's such a fantastic hockey handicapper so can't wait to get into all that it is spring spring has sprung and it's time to make a switch into our spring and summer agendas all right well without further ado let's get into our guest Mr. Will Hill from the Gold Boys and VEASAN.com 
Com. Now, I'm very excited to welcome back a man on fire in the sports betting industry, Mr. Will Hill from VEASAN and the Gold Boys Discord. You can follow him on Twitter at NotTheWillHill. Will, thanks for coming back on the show, my man. How the heck are you doing this week? Kev, what's going on? We were just talking before we you know, went on the air here that it just everything seems so crammed. Baseball season sneaks up on you with the Super Bowl being in mid-February as opposed to, you know, when we were kids, it was end of January, somewhere in the last few days of January. There was always a long wait. It felt like till March Madness, and then it was baseball season. Now everything's just crammed together, which I don't mind. There's really no uh, dead periods. I guess these few days after the, uh, the Elite Eight and before the Final Four, before opening day, is a little bit of a lull, but it just goes right. NCAA tournament, Masters, baseball season, NBA playoffs. So it's a good time of the year. Weather gets a little warmer here on the East Coast. Days get a little bit longer. So it's, uh, it's, it's a really great time of the year. Oh, it's an amazing time of the year. It's just uh, the weather really gets a lot of people going here in the spring, especially when it starts to warm up in some of those middle states. And finally, it hits the Midwest at some point. So uh, right now, it's uh, pretty cold out east, and we'll get into a little major league baseball now that you mentioned it and yeah it's uh it's bittersweet almost the end of uh you know football happened and the end of uh march madness but then you know we have a lot of fun coming up with some of these other sports but i also want to give you a huge shout out here for calling fau go to the final four man how the hell you do it will i mean this is the sickness of a better though you hit a bet like that and everyone congratulates you and it does feel good and then you think man i could have put a lot more on it why did i only put this much on it so uh, it does feel good. It was a fun, you know, a fun team to follow. I thought the winner of that FAU Memphis game, which that game easily could have gone Memphis. I mean, I, you certainly caught a break there. I certainly caught a break there. Um, I just thought the winner of that game could beat Purdue. And as it turned out, it didn't have to beat Purdue. So I thought the bracket was sort of open. I really liked Florida Atlantic's guards. I liked the coach. So I didn't hear too many people picking them. Just a few shows I, I had heard before I, you know, went on the air the next day. I was, you know what? Too many people are picking Memphis. I'll be a little different here. Go with Florida Atlantic. And again, sitting here regretting how much you know what could have been it was 40 to 1 i could have put so much on it i would have made this much it's just i'm sure you've been there too you just drive yourself crazy there's no you never have enough on the winners no, no you never do you never do it's always like let me put a quarter unit on this you know ink a little bit it's like wait a minute i like that a lot the price was way off at 50 to 1 what am i doing you know yeah absolutely it's uh kicking yourself in the back is is a very common thing and a common practice that we do here in the sports betting world so but still man i mean you called it it sounds to me that the way you just explain it is you like the not only the team but you like their position in the bracket and in hindsight yeah i mean you know memphis coming off the big uh aa uh, American Athletic Conference win, you know, that's usually kind of a down thing coming into a tournament after uh, all that exhaustion beating the number one Houston team. Uh, Purdue, the very vulnerable one seed, you know. Uh, you saw that uh, ahead of a lot of other people, and guys like me kicked myself a little bit. But uh, uh, it sounds like you you nailed that perfectly. And so huge congrats to you on that aspect, man. And congrats to Conference USA in general because, I mean, they're, they're in the finals in the NIT tournament, right? Hard to believe, and they won the. Uh, well, they don't do the CIT anymore. I think it's the CBI. They won with Charlotte, and then they got both finalists in the NIT, and here they are in the Final Four. And that conference is sort of breaking up. I'm, I'm trying to think top of my head. Where is where is Florida Atlantic? Where are these teams going? I'm trying to think. I'm drawing a blank. Oh God, uh, I think a few are going to the. Uh, I thought AAC. Is it the yeah, AAC? Yeah, yeah, the American Athletic Conference. Okay. A few are going to. 
I thought one might be moving to Atlantic 10 for basketball. I, I don't know. I have to relook at that. It really is hard to keep up with the teams and the conferences. Yeah. Like Again, back when we were younger, these teams were more or less just in their conference for a long period of time. Now it's just like you turn around and there's six teams that flock somewhere else. It's really hard to keep up with. It's insane. And then you see you got one in the Final Four, two in the Finals. You're the NIT. NIT is the next step down, higher than the CBI. You know, so it's just uh, it, it blows your mind how good they were. And, of course, my Badgers, you know, um, if I didn't, know, if I didn't know this basketball team, Will, I would have said that they put a big bet on the under during the game here, uh, not scoring a point in over nine minutes left to go. But I got, and I had the over one fourteen and a half. The live total was at one forty and a half at one point. Yeah. Oh, uh, even higher. Yeah, even higher. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just it, it. Despicable is not even a way to describe it. But you know, um, I, I think. I hope in Greg Gard has had his success there, but look, we're looking for bigger things here. No more NITs. We want NCAAs. You got the money out there in Wisconsin. I hope he gets the backing from an NIL perspective because uh, he's on a short lease right now. Will. Yeah, I mean, you go 10 minutes without scoring a point like that. I mean, not only is it not good, but it's just boring. You don't want to be bad and boring. And, and they're not a bad team. They could have, you know, a win here or there. They could have made the tournament, man. Imagine if you were watching it with your friend, though, and said, man, I'll, I'll give you whatever. You know, what odds would you give me Wisconsin with 10 minutes to go is not going to score another point? You, I mean, you would have gone broke. It's just yeah. there's no such thing as a lock. It's just hard to yeah. believe you could go that long without scoring a single point. And they had the game tied. I thought, you know, it was, what was it, like a broken play with five or six seconds left? They had a five on four or four on three. They had the numbers. It looked like they had a layup to tie the game, go to overtime. Which would have hit my over. Called, yeah. They called the timeout. Yep, absolutely. I, I want to say – I want to Maybe, maybe would have hit your over. It might have been one nothing in overtime. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, one free throw. So, but I, and I said that the gods didn't want it to happen for me is the only way I can look at it uh, and justify this madness here that just happened. I, I posted the graph of the probability of that thing going under throughout the game and for, high at the 99% level. And then just the very tank at the last second was just very interesting to watch. Even Fran Fischilla, who was doing the game, who doesn't really, he's not a betting guy. He's an old school, you know, basketball guy. He's like, hope you didn't bet the under tonight. This baby's going over. And they were playing <laughs> oh, so fast early. They were hitting every shot and uh, he mushed it. The jinx was in my friend. And that's yeah. exactly what it was. Um, but at the same time, I'm going to give you a nugget. You know, being a Badger fan, that I already know of the, the last 10, 11 minutes of their game versus Michigan, they had no field goals. And it was like only two, yeah, two or three free throws maybe. But they only scored like two or three points the last 11 minutes of that game. And they still won it because they are up by like right. 25, but they almost lost it. You know, it was just – I guess if you look at it like that perspective, this crap has happened before. But, you know, now we have a Conference USA uh, final here. And I, I guess, you know, without – too much of a plan i i wasn't gonna bring it up but now that it's here um did you handicap this game yet uh north texas versus uab it looks like uab is a little bit of a favorite minus two in the total of 128 i could see that i mean people look at it and think this uab team beat florida atlantic and that win obviously has aged nicely so um you know i have to dig more into how these teams matched up in the regular season so i haven't completely hand handicapped it but first lean would certainly be towards uab on the money line Oh, that Walker's a hell of a player, and mm -hmm. and if, if that they were in the NCAA tournament, they would have been live to beat somebody. It's too bad they only were a one bid league, but I would probably lean UAB here. Yeah, it's too bad. I mean, obviously now you look at some of the at large teams from the Big Ten and a few other conferences, and UAB probably could have beat all of them. It's like yeah, yeah they got it wrong. 
Uh, of course, scheduling plays a part in that as well. But you know, it's, I think it, they were favored against Florida Atlantic in the uh, the Conference USA title game. I'm, I'm pretty sure too, point and a half or something. Really? Was, was it that? Oh, I I can't remember. It's only a point point and a half, but I think they were favored. I think the thinking was Florida Atlantic's in no matter what. UAB needs to win to get in. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was the line. Though. That makes sense. That makes sense. I'm trying to remember back. Yeah, it's it, it, Florida Atlanta beat beat UAB uh, by double digits there. But you know, UAB did a, had a great season in general. And yes, Walker uh, Jordan Walker's only five eleven, but a fantastic uh, basketball player there. And I I expect huge things for you know this team going forward. Hopefully, I, I know they have a lot of seniors, so that's. That's your worry, but UAB's been relevant for a few years here. Yeah, I, I'm not touching this one myself. I, I can see it going a lot of ways. Yeah, I think the total's actually pl- priced pretty well at 128 as well. So, um, I mean, <laughs> this is North Texas. If they grind it out like they did versus Wisconsin, I find that interesting. But you said you're kicking yourself for maybe not putting more money on Florida Atlantic, but what if they win it all? And then you're really going to be kicking yourself, my friend. <laughs> so let's look at this game here. I, Florida Atlantic is plus two against San Diego State. And uh, San Diego State, obviously the monstrous defense. Uh, the total of this is 132. It, obviously, from an officiating standpoint, we don't have to get into that. But there's a lot of controversy over that game. But at the same time, Creighton wasn't winning. You know, It's like maybe San Diego State would have won in overtime anyway is kind of the way you got to look at it. And that defense is legit. They stopped Alabama. They stopped a, a very tough Creighton team. But at the same time, will the way I'm and I didn't have a I don't have a play on it right now. But the way I'm kind of looking at it is Florida Atlantic has seen these tough defenses before because North Texas is a tough defense for one, and they played against Tennessee. You know, in the NCAA tournament here, Memphis's defense was good. Not like they haven't seen this, and God forbid, you know, if they shoot just a little bit better than Creighton did, maybe get a few fouls their way. I might be a player on Florida Atlantic if this thing goes up a little bit. What are your thoughts? I think you talked me into it. I, I don't know if I can jump <laughs> off the Florida Atlantic bandwagon. Now, the thing is, they haven't even played perfect. They turned the ball over a ton. I thought Kansas State, uh, the, the Elite Eight game against Kansas State on Saturday, they're up four at the half. They could have easily been up 12, 13, whatever, if they just took care of the yeah. ball. They turned it over so much, uh, you know, whipping the ball out of bounds, offensive fouls, you name it. And they haven't shot the three great. They've made timely threes, but you know Tennessee, they didn't shoot it well. If you look, they just they really haven't shot it well at all. Uh, you know, it's the age-old question. When, when you look at San Diego State, they've held opponents in this tournament to 17% from the three-point line. Is that luck? Is that variance? Is it they're really good defending the perimeter? It's probably a combination of the two. Um, but I, I'm with you. I, I like Florida Atlantic here. I think the best bet is probably, for me, the first half under. I don't know if these halftime lines have started to pop up. Mm-hmm. I just think we're playing in a football stadium. It's a massive arena. There's some nerves. There's some jitters. You're going to get max intensity on defense. You're going to get these teams a little more you know, methodical on offense. So I would look at the first half under, and I think, uh, boy, imagine the Florida Atlantics here in a, a championship game on, on, on Monday night. That, I mean, we're looking <laughs> at it where it's a, a toss-up game here, and I, I kind of think we're going to get it. I like Florida Atlantic here. Yeah, yeah, it's 61, juice to the under at minus 120, and so it's out there. Um, it's a very low number. What's funny is both of these teams technically f- play a little faster, but and then yeah. then again, it's hard to buy into that because you're looking at conferences that are inferior. You right. know, it's like, would they really play that fast if they're in the Big 12, in the SEC, in the Big East? Probably not. So definitely got to factor that in. Yeah, uh, you know, Ken Palm's got the under at uh, 143 or 133. 
and the actual total in this game is, I believe, around the one twenty or one thirty-two mark. Yeah, I, I'm gonna lean to the under for for both halves. I would lean to the total under as well because one one of these teams can go absolutely flat, and San Diego State will go into scoring droughts. So um, I'm gonna wait on this one a little bit though, from a side perspective. Like I said, give me a two and a half. I'll probably be a player on Florida Atlantic here. Why not? You know, if if I'm late to the party, oh well, will you know? I might as well uh, you know jump in. It's better than you know having them to have to play uh, you know a team that's, you know, like a Yukon or a Houston where, you know, you're going to get a bigger spread, but I would think that maybe they would get outclassed in that situation. So the football stadium is something that people really have to remember because the backdrops are very dark in those stadiums, aren't they? Yep, absolutely. And again, if you don't get your number, I mean, you can just watch the game, wait for a live opportunity. If it's 5-2 San Diego, I mean, it's amazing how quickly these numbers can move or you'll get a two and a half, you might get a three. You know, if it's three nothing, you know these numbers move right away. Where you sit here all week staring at your screen, hoping for a number, you never get it. And then, like thirty seconds, ninety seconds into the game, uh, it goes a certain way. You can get your number, maybe even a better number. Yep, yep, it, and that's what you do. And that's how I've hedged some of my uh, plays throughout the the last couple weeks. Well, actually, I do that frequently, but more I'm more public about it when it comes to the tournament. I you know took a Kansas State live over. And that thing hit because, you know, you saw a lot of fouls coming on in. And, you know, sometimes you see the refs really let them play for that last San Diego State-Creighton game for most of that game, except the very end, obviously. They're letting them beat each other up. So uh, then you take a live under. So, yeah, uh, we'll be vocal about that as well. So good stuff. Yeah, definitely live if you don't get your number because you will. If if these teams are trading blows up by five, down by five, up by five, you're going to get your number. You're going to get your number. Yep. It's Absolutely. Just, it's much better way to take it. Let's move on to the next game. Miami versus UConn. UConn minus five and a half total, 149.5. And, well, when I had Gonzaga winning it all last week, I, I, I mentioned that I wish I could have changed it to UConn, and I did bet UConn. <laughs> it's like it was such a great-looking bracket until Texas lost, until UConn lost, until Creighton lost, because I still had those of them in my final four. Then it was absolute dump city. For me in that situation, thank God that most people are out. I actually still might take second in a few of my brackets here. But uh, this this situation, I think UConn is by far the better team than all these. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure UConn's not the best team in the whole NCAA after seeing how they're handling some of these teams in their class. Now, um, I, I, I just what I did is I took UConn pre-flop, Final Four, as soon as Texas lost to Miami, I didn't think that they have much competition. I took a minus 125 to win it all, Will, and I put a pretty decent-sized bet on that. So I don't need to bet this game uh, from that perspective, but um, here we are at minus 5, 149.5. What are your thoughts? Yep, I'm totally with you. I don't like laying points in this tournament. I think the much better bet is UConn. I think Circa had like a minus 110 on them versus the field. I just think... For all the reasons you mentioned, they're bigger, they're better than everyone. It's weird. They've had sort of three seasons here. Remember, preseason, uh, pre-conference uh, play, they're just killing everybody, killed Alabama up in Portland, You know, just dominated that tournament. They got in a conference play. They really didn't play well. They lost a bunch of games. It looked like this team could be like trending towards the bubble at one point. I mean, they really played poorly for a large stretch. They got their stuff together the last, I would say, you know, month of the regular season. And they've just taken off. Remember, they, they didn't even win their conference tournament. Marquette beat this team in the yeah. uh, in the Big E semifinals, and 
boy, they just they've really hit a and really to, to further that that point, they were losing Iona at halftime in the first game. Iona looked like they were getting hard time, but man, they just they have a different gear. They blew Iona out. You know, St. Mary's was competitive for a minute. They blew them out and. It's weird. It's sort of the inverse. Usually, if you have two blowouts early, then the games get harder. They had two sort of you know clo- games that were close early where they just pulled away, and the games have gotten easier and easier and easier. Yeah. It looks like the varsity versus the JV. I don't, I don't see any reason to think differently here against Miami. Miami has all sorts of issues on defense. They're small. I know their guard plays really good. Laranaga knows his way around these tournaments. But I think UConn rolls here. I expect like a UConn, I don't know, 10, 12 plus point win. I think UConn wins again. Yeah, probably. I mean, a great point about laying the points because, you know, you had Texas up by 16 points against Miami. Then foul started coming in. Man. What a meltdown and, and, that was. My goodness. Yeah, it, it's two things that happen. The team's prone to choking. And if they're not getting the fouls and the other team is, it's it's it just almost like exponentially builds against you. And boom, all of a sudden you have a tie game. And that's exactly what happened in this situation here. And so I, and I think Texas, yeah, I think Texas not having the big guy too to protect the rim was a big thing too disu correct correct he yep, was absolutely because yep. miami got a lot at the rim you're not going to get a lot of a lot at the rim against uconn so i thought that was a big factor yeah it was a big factor and uh miami is led by guys that are seniors you know guys like wong um you know guys have been there before jordan miller and, and so i think that's why they got this far but i think this is kind of where it all runs out but five and a half not in this tournament. Not the way this tournament's going. Absolutely right. not. Money line rollover probably gets you around the minus one ten, minus one twenty five area anyway. Um, I kind of did the math here, uh, laying minus two forty. Then you roll that over, and you're probably going to be laying around minus two hundred in the finals, whether it's FAU. You know, it's funny. I was going to ask you, what, what what do you think it'll be? FAU. Let's say it's FAU UConn in the final. What would they make that line? Yeah. So I, I mean, FAU. If you're looking from a, a Ken Palm perspective, they're the third best team. They're seventeenth, while Miami's twenty second. So if it's UConn versus FAU, I would expect a five and a half. Or sorry, okay. or, or sorry, well, it, probably a five and a half if they blow out Miami. Okay, if it's a close game, you're looking at four and a half to five. Right? Is that fair? Because FAU's a slightly better via Ken Palm and the other efficiency sites. If it's San Diego State, it's probably going to be four. You know, I, I would think that just based upon the defense, right? Yeah, I think a lot. You made a good point. A lot depends on how UConn wins. If they have to eke it out, maybe people. Look towards Florida Atlantic as the fun story, the, the the Cinderella story they want to root for. But if UConn wins again by twenty, people are just are, are probably I don't know. I would say people are going to trend towards UConn because they've been so dominant. But I could see some people falling in love. Sometimes people bet what they want to root for. I could see people wanting to uh, to get a piece of this Florida Atlantic story. Which look, if they got to the final, if they actually won the championship, which I still don't think they will, but if they won the championship, this is one of the great sports, uh, one of the great stories oh, in the history of sports. It really is. It would I mean, be. It's on the short list when you think about what, 300 to 1. Cinderella can get to a Final Four and get to a championship game. We have not really seen a Cinderella win a championship in a non-major conference. This would be an all-time just historic sort of story here. It certainly would. And uh, you wonder about this total, too, a little bit here with this Miami game. I forgot to mention it. I, I It's 149, I believe. Ken Palm's got 153. Haslametrics has it about one. 51 i would lean to the under in this as well um it's, i think this is high for a final four game I, I know that miami does play a little bit of up up uh fast-paced basketball but uconn has amazing uh three-point defense ranking 13th in the league and that's where um, miami's gonna have to do a dribble drive and try to get low but guys like sonogo i think is gonna stop them so i'm gonna lean to the under on that 
I'd probably go over just because, like you said, Miami, they play fast. They, they score points. They give up points. So I'd probably not – not that I haven't like it enough to bet it, but I'd probably yeah. lean towards the over on this one. Okay, no, fair enough. A little disagreement there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what this line is going to be. Now, if it's going to be – let's just say Miami wins – and it's going to be Miami, Florida, Atlantic. Oh, my <laughs> Jesus Christ. Right. Uh, I, I would assume, just based upon the name, a, a tournament in South Beach, right? <laughs> I, right. I, I think that Miami would be a slight favorite, maybe like minus one, but I, I don't know. It, it's interesting because people do disagree with the efficiency sites. And even yeah. though Miami's 22nd and Florida Atlantic 17th, I can't imagine Florida Atlantic being favored there, but... Miami would have had the bigger win against UConn. Miami will get a bump. Yeah, absolutely. Miami will get the bump because of UConn, but there's competing forces where people are going to fall in love with the Florida Atlantic story, and if they beat San Diego State, that's an impressive win, so it would be fascinating to watch. The one little thing I I would add before we move on is if you do like UConn uh, Saturday night against Miami, bet them now because I'm actually surprised sixes haven't started to pop up i think as you get closer to the game you'll see more you know public money the guy that bets 50 100 bucks a game oh uconn's playing they kill everybody i'm gonna bet uconn i think we get a six 50 50 we get a six and a half i don't think we'll get a seven but somewhere in between six six and a half i think this line goes up i do too i think you're gonna i think it'll close at six that's what i think yeah i agree with you so if you like uh if you, you like UConn, do it now. I prefer the money line rollover because if you like UConn now, you're betting them in the finals. You know that's the way I look at right. it anyway. So take the future at minus one twenty five, minus one ten if it's still up at Circo, and that's the way that we should approach this one. Let's move on to a little baseball, my man. I can't believe it. it's opening day tomorrow. I went to uh, three spring training games already here, Will, and that was a good time watching. Uh, the pitch clock was very interesting. Guy on base, it's twenty second guy. Uh, no one on base. It's 15 seconds. It really sped up the game from my perspective. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe no more screwing around, shaking the ball up and down. You know, they're yep. really throwing the ball. Well, what what are your thoughts on how that changes the? I guess, the scoring in the game from the first five inning perspective as well as the full game? Yeah, no, I went to a few minor league games last uh, last summer, and I, the first thing you notice is the pitch clock because they had it last year, and it's really sort of seamless. Like you said, it speeds the game up, and you, I probably would have thought before I saw, oh, I don't like this. I'm sort of a baseball purist. You barely notice it. The guys get the ball. They pitch the ball. It's not, you know, it doesn't really throw you off. It, it, it's really a welcomed uh, idea. I know there are some people that don't like it. It's been actually more of a welcomed idea than, a, you know, I probably anticipated as far as how does it affect betting, I really don't know. It's really going to lower my volume in terms of how much I bet, number of bets. I just need to see it first because I've heard smart people make the case. Pitchers are going to be at the advantage. They're going to be on the attack. Hitters aren't used to it. I've heard of the case that it's going to throw pitchers off. They're not going to have as much time to reload, and, and it's going to be an advantage for the hitters. I, I know there's another group of people that says, well, the starting pitchers will be okay, but the relievers are the guys that take a while. They're going to have to make you know pitches under pressure in short amounts of time, so it could affect them. I sort of just need to see it first. I think, you know, I don't think we even mentioned the thing that might even be more prevalent, no shifting. I mean, how many times have we seen the last five years where you got, you know, a guy hits a rocket up the middle and our whole lives, that's a base hit. And, you know, these past five, six years with more shifting, there's a guy standing there to catch the ball and throw him out. Can't really do that anymore. So the shift might be more prevalent than the, the, uh, the clock. I think, um, you know, that the bigger bases, there's a lot trending towards offense. So if I was going to just bet anything, I'd probably trend towards overs here. But again, I'm going to take it sort of cautiously. I hope I'm going to try to take it cautious because I look at the cars. I might pick that game. I want to pick that game. But I think 
caution caution's probably the better idea here until we really see how this affects things. That's true. And people have to remember that in April it's colder and there's more prone to the unders and that doesn't mean it's going to happen uh later in the year uh when it's hot in July and the balls flying uh as well. You know what I think I I disagree with the whole pitchers thing. I think maybe in the beginning um of the game it, it might, you know, pitchers that are powerful might be able to you know, just overpower the batters. But I think at the end of the game, it's really going to throw off some uh, late relief pitchers, you know, some some closers. I, I think that, you know, they're, they're going to have to start throwing a lot quicker than they were rather than finishing the game. And it's almost like the batter kind of gets in his own head if he just sits there too long. I think that it's going to give him an advantage. So I kind of disagree with that. Maybe live might be a situation to just to look at. And I agree with you about laying off. But maybe like if the, the local scoring game, the bullpen's coming up, maybe a couple guys went yesterday maybe a little bit more prone to bet the live over will totally could see that i just there's so many changes there's so many moving parts at once that i don't I, i'm just again cautions the thing for me where i don't want to i like to bet i don't like to guess i don't you know with the bigger bases the no shift the clock there's just so many different variables here that i'm just probably going to take it a little easier than i usually would right. never a bad idea to take it early take it take it easy early in the season anyway like you said the weather you never know what pitchers are sharp coming out of spring training you're dealing with not ideal conditions so uh it'll be interesting to watch i just think i wonder if it'll affect the handle at all i i do sense more excitement for baseball just in general people excited about these changes i just don't know from a betting standpoint if it's something where i'm going to come in with, with with both fists and really you know bet strong opinions based on what i think is going to happen yeah absolutely i'd like it too i'm gonna kind of I have eight plays for tomorrow if you want me to get into my <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I have one. Looking at tomorrow's slate, I found it you know, interesting. The Lions came out pretty early on this. And obviously, you know, during the year, it's uh, this the night before, really early, the day before, around 3 to 5 o'clock on the Pacific time, is you're starting to get these lines rolling out for the books. But um, anything stick out for you? Are, are you completely just eating popcorn, relaxing the first day? Or is there any little dabble that you uh, might want to give us? I like Degrom minus a dollar thirty against Nola. I think he's healthy. He's, uh, you know, when he's healthy, he's the best pitcher in the sport. I know his time with the Mets did not end well in terms of all the injuries, and when he came back, he still pitched really well. Just not like maybe a hundred percent of Degrom, but seems like he's healthy. That's a good lineup. They got Seager. They got a bunch of guys that I think are going to benefit from no shift. Harper's out for the Phillies. I think Hoskins is out for the Phillies. I think people are probably buying a little too high on the Phillies now. When this was like what an 86 87 win team last year, they were third place and they get hot and, and, and they go to a world series. People forget this team did finish third, so DeGrom laying a cheap price here against Noah is one I'm interested in. Yeah, and they're, they did fix their bullpen a little bit more at Texas, didn't they? Um, yeah, they needed to, they did. And the reason I bring that up, it's minus 143 at first five, so you can always take the first five if that worries you a little bit here. Yeah, it, yeah, I think the Phillies starting out with a little bit of a hangover, you know, being in the world series and all that last year, and I think that's a a great look to possibly do that and you could uh if you get really cute minus a half run in the first five you got plus 110 so i can see that Ooh, i hate to do i hate to i hate laying a half run in the fifth. i just hate it i know i know it's not it's not ideal but it's uh you know at least you're, they are playing a bottom of the fifth so if you lay like the right. the, the run line when it comes to a main game right. and they don't get to the bottom of the ninth and they're winning by one that's you it, you bring up a good point though the first five might be the better way to go because these pitches are not stretched out you're going to see basically you know four or five inning performances 
So if you really like it based on the starter, I mean, these guys are not going to – these guys don't go seven, eight innings anymore anyway. Yeah. Uh, these guys really are not going to go that deep into the game, especially these first week or two into the season. Yeah, I think I say four or five innings for sure these next couple. And the, part of the reason I took the first five on this under here – now, not like the Red Sox are an under team and they're definitely an over team coming in here, but, you know, this is a higher one. Uh, it's at minus 112 on a few sites right now, minus 120 on DraftKings and a couple other. Baltimore versus uh, the Red Sox. Gibson is pitching for Baltimore. Uh, Kluber is trying to revitalize himself here and <laughs> pitching for Red Sox. But, you know, this is based on a couple things. Uh, it's based on, well, A, it's the first game. Should be some nerves. And uh, B, the weather's going to be very cold over there, you know. And uh, I looked it up here for the game, and I, and I like this site here. I'm going to share my screen um, to show some people, you know, one of the sites that I like to use here. Go to your screen. Uh, and that's uh, Swish Analytics. Uh, and Swish Analytics, it kind of just gives you, you know, the times and uh, what's going to happen here during the game. Now, you're going to have 14.3-mile wins. It's not blowing near the monster. It's blowing out to the left field corner, which, you know, it can't hurt if you're you know pulling the ball and uh, it's actually curving foul on you sometimes. That's going to happen. So it's windy. It's not like exactly it's blowing out. But look at the temperature here, 37 degrees, 38 degrees. Uh, it's going to be very cold here, and that is not built for pitchers here, or, or sorry, for batters on either of these teams when it's uh, this cold. The total of it's five. That's high for a first five, I believe, in the beginning of any season, no matter how much of a, a overs team that either of these might be. I kind of like the Orioles from last year. They're that kind of, the kind of sneaky team that I bet on a lot last year, probably saved a little bit of my bankroll, was uh, being on the Orioles. But, um, you know, I think being that with the bullpen, you might see them in the fifth inning. I think they should be fresh enough to get the job done and keep this under five. Like I said, I'm going to try to be cautious here, but as I look game by game, weather, I see the pitchers, the lines, I just, my instinct is to want to fire. So I'm going to have to uh, exhibit a little self-control tomorrow. Yeah, exhibit self-control for sure and be very careful. But uh, thank you for that one on DeGrom here. Uh, you know, finally not injured. Let's hope that keeps it this right. way here. And, uh, you know, bring some luck here for uh, the Rangers here coming up. Well, uh, good stuff for the MLB. We're going to sit back and see how it is. And Will's going to be on plenty of shows on the Gold Boys, on VSIN, uh, to discuss, you know, what his thoughts are just kind of coming into the season. So make sure you turn into that. But before you go, Will, I want to talk a little NFL draft. Now, I know it's early. You might not have dabbled too much. I think we briefly brought it up uh, maybe three, four weeks ago when you were on last time. But one thing stuck out to me here, and it's looking at, and, and not all these lines are out. There's a there's a few out here. But I, I'm thinking about tight ends right now, Will. And this actually was pretty interesting to me. Michael Meyer, you know, he was kind of the number one tight end even before the season started, right? Is this the guy from the Halloween movies or is it something different? <laughs> Michael Mayer. Yeah, right. Mike Myers. He's the guy with the leather face. So, uh Notre Dame tight end, always coming in the draft. His competition is really Dalton Kincaid, and Dalton Kincaid coming off back surgery, back injury uh, for Utah. I don't know what these GMs think all the time, but to be honest with you, I don't know how you can pick a guy like Dalton Kincaid over, my, over Mayer, being that he had the back problems, because that is more getting GM fired situation yep. It's a good angle by by taking that chance, and so right now you can get Mayer at minus one ten. You can get Kincaid at plus one twenty five. 
I like Mayer at the minus 110 here. Now, if you look at the third guy in Darnell Washington, maybe you're considering him at plus 380. He played for Georgia, Will. Um, here's the problem with that. You're the GM. You're Maybe you're the Lions, right? The Lions need a tight end. The Bengals need a tight end. Are you going to pick the second best tight end from a team? <laughs> you know, because right. Burton was far and above probably better than, let's just say he's better than all these guys. I, I think anybody would agree with that. But still, you're not going to pick the second best guy from a team as your number one pick. It's just not a good look. So you're going to pick the injured guy that just hurt his back and was out for a long time. He's still not running yet. Or you're going to take the second best guy on the team of Georgia. Or you're going to take Mayer, who's kind of been there the whole time. We're at a pretty good 40 at 4-7. And uh, he's gonna be a hell of a pro too. I really like him. Yeah, he's gonna be a hell of a pro. So I actually bet Mayer, and I think I think that they make the smart decision and the safe decision here to get a proven guy who has been already ranked number one for the last year and a half. Will my only issue with that is I got to find it because the that uh, Connecticut does not book the draft. A lot of these books they got burned last year at big numbers on some of these. So. Finding prices on all these is not as easy. These book, I mean, this is why bookies are cockroaches because they never want to lose anything. <laughs> yep. you, you know, you, they win in all these other markets. They lose in one. It's not, we can't post that anymore. So it's not as easy to find these, but I, I totally co-sign on that. I think it's a good angle. And uh, if I could come along that, you know, come along that, that market, I think it's a great bet. All right. Well, send me a text afterwards if you're interested. All right. You got it. See if I find it out for you. So uh, cool. So glad we have some green with there. Now, here's the, the quarterback thing I think is really weird. And it's not saying I'm going to say go ahead and make a bet or not. But it's so funny how Bryce Young was the consensus favorite all the way up to the combine. Right. Well, what the hell has changed since then? Everyone knew he wasn't tall. You know, everyone, right. everyone, everyone knew that. Everyone knew he wasn't extremely heavy. And, and of course, his weight was water weight at 204. He probably 195, maybe, maybe soaking wet. I, I don't know. But here, but but it's so funny how this all of a sudden changes to Stroud. You know, all of a sudden Stroud's minus 330. Now, I'm not saying that Stroud's not going to be the first quarterback picked, but Jesus, man, Ohio State quarterbacks really have a lot against them when it yeah. comes to NFL performances. And it's the same system. Ryan Day, you know, They've been running for a long time there, really. Um, I, I mean, I like Stroud. I, I suppose he, he might be number one in mine. I still got to dig in a little bit deeper before I do my quarterback rankings. But, man, I, I, it's just so funny. Now Bryce Young's at plus 225. What did the dude do? Uh, really nothing. This is all speculation. And you wonder if a team like Carolina that would trade up and give the farm to the Bears, you know, if they were really thinking C.J. Stroud there, I don't know because – it doesn't seem like it just seems a little strange to me. Does it not? They've signed a bunch of guys that, you know, Miles Sanders, I think Thielen. they got a bunch of guys that suggest it's a win now move. So I think he can count Richardson out. I never bought the idea that somebody's going to draft up and especially move up to, uh, to draft a project like that a guy who really just didn't play well last year. So I'm, I'm pretty confident it's between Stroud and young. It's my, it's look anybody's guess. I'll, I'll, I have no idea. I really don't. I, I think you make up a good point. This market is wonky. It's it's back and forth. We've seen this the past few years where, where the favorites flipped a bunch. It, it flipped a few times last year with different guys. So, uh, I you know, when in doubt, I'd probably just take the plus money here. I have no idea who's going first. All right, me either. Real quick, the wide receivers here. How bad did this wide receiver draft get, man? I mean, it's – it, it's looking pretty freaking bad here. You got Jackson Smith and Jigga, who hasn't played much in the last two right. years. You know, it, it, people speculate that he was really hurt. People speculate he was holding off for the draft. Maybe so, but I guess he ran a 4-8, 4-4, 840, which is 
not exactly that fast, you know, um, for a receiver who was going to be going number one. And then his real competition was Jordan Addison, who ran the same thing about, you know, he's only six feet tall. You figure he'd be in the 4'4", four, 4'3", four, four, range. No, he runs a 4'4", four, 940 four, or something like that. Why are these receivers so slow? And then you got Quentin Johnson, who's the big guy from TCU, 6'4". He's at plus 550, which I think maybe he should be the number one guy. Then I look at Jalen Hyatt at 20 to 1 on FanDuel. I'm like, why not him? He at least ran a 4440 and he's six feet tall. You know, he played for Tennessee. He did great. He did just as good as anyone else. So my point is, first of all, this receiver draft stinks. I'm going to probably be looking at, uh, you know, maybe playing the under to the total number of receivers because you usually get a pretty big number, five and a half. Is that market up? It's not up yet, my friend. I'm waiting on it. But um, I just think that, you know, if you're going to take a shot on somebody, I wouldn't mind looking at Jalen Hyatt and Quentin Johnson, maybe Ben and both trying to fade the rest of the field there. You're getting plus five fifty, plus plus two thousand. Yeah, that Hyatt twenty to one certainly is uh certainly is intriguing in a market where I mean Smith and Jigba was plus three fifty not that long ago. Now he's the favorite. So uh, there's a lot of guesswork on the uh, from from the bookmaker standpoint on these markets, which is why they don't like to book it, which is why there's value. So yeah, you can certainly talk me into high at twenty to one, absolutely. Yeah, high at twenty to one. Well, good stuff, my man. We are out of time. Will, thank you so much for coming on, breaking down some of these sports. Here we got baseball going on. We got the Final Four. Where could our listeners get your great information and media coming up to these big games? Yep, I'm on VEASAN five or six times uh, a week and Gold Boys Discord and twitch.tv slash Gold Boys Network during weekdays, 1 Eastern. We got shows Tuesday and Thursday, so look for me there. Kev, you're the best. Appreciate you having me on. Oh, man, appreciate it so much. Make sure you guys check out Will at Gold Boys and at VEASAN. All right, my friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Odds Breakers. Next week, we have such a busy week of Masters hockey playoffs, and some big prep races. We will be having two shows for next week. Stay tuned on Wednesday and on Friday. If you have any questions, feel free to tweet us at The Odds Breakers. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and go get some winners.